Welcome to episode 42, Praise Be to Sandshrew, of Story Mode, a video game podcast. The official podcast of StoryModeGaming.com, brought to you by Fan Critical. I am your sleepy host, Jesse Monroe, and I am joined by Keelan, the Plant Man Simpson. I have one plant. You can't just call me the Plant Man because of that. <laughs> Simon Stamps Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Without context, the audience is going to be like, what the fuck? He must really like Lauren, <laughs> baked yeah. goods, McClane. Oh, yes. Tasty treats. And Josh, the Queen Cotter. <laughs> Hello, governor. <Ooh>. Hello, governor. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, dear. Hi. See, I think, like, maybe, maybe down the track... If we start like recording this and putting it on Twitch or I don't know what the kids do with their podcast nowadays, if we have a pre-show, we will lose listeners real fucking quick. <laughs> I disagree. I think we will gain listeners real fucking Bullshit. quick. Like qu- qu- Prince Harry would have just listened to the last 10 minutes of us talking and be like, that's my mother they're speaking of. <laughs> It'd be a royal <laughs> decree <laughs> banning story mode from the entire United Kingdom. <laughs> uh, you know, they lost it in Brexit. <laughs> Uh, that is true. Um, how are we doing this week? How is everyone? Mm. Good. Yeah, well. Well. Fuck. Good stuff, guys. Let's wrap it up there. Eh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Talk. everyone. It's All been right. great. Thanks for having me, guys. I've been having a good... I've been having a good week. I started playing Immortals, Phoenix Rising, Gods and Monsters. Let's just call it that. And it's really, really fun. It, it, it is... It has its flaws. Some of the... Acting is a bit poor. <laughs> Acting is quite basic, actually. Um, there's some graphical niggles every now and then, like a little bit of popping, shit like that. And yeah, it, it's very, very breath on the wild at first. But then you realise it's it kind of a lot more Assassin's Creed. It, it is very much a Ubisoft game. You can tell. It, it feels like playing um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey with a, a different sort of artistic style. It's the same so, team, right? Yeah, they they yeah. decided to make something new because they were that enraptured with the whole uh, Greek mythology thing that they started exploring in Odyssey, but they wanted to take it in a more humorous way. And this game is genuinely funny. And again, it's one of those things that games, um, when they try to be funny, they're often not. This is kind of doing it flawlessly. The whole, the, the reason it can be so funny is the whole game has narration. So it's a story being told by Zeus and other Greek god. Mm-hmm. I forget his Jim. name. Oof. He's part of a tree. He gets his liver eaten out by a bird every now and then. He's having a bad time. Like, what's his name? Nah, whatever. Um, but just like little things where this guy's re- retelling the story and in the, in the customer characterization screen, he will make comment as you customize your character, as you go, as you go through the options. And it'd be like, yes, he had a mighty, mighty beard. And then you swap over to no beard. It's like, but he shaved it just before his adventure. Or did he? I'm pleasantly surprised by this. I, I think it's going to be a game that a lot of people sleep on. There's been a little bit of... I think the backlash for this game started a while ago. I mean, obviously, people have a lot of problems with Ubisoft. Some of them valid, some of them not. Um... But the main argument I've seen, people just wipe it off and being like, oh, Breath of the Wild clone, move along. But it's also at the same time, remember when Breath of the Wild came out and we're just like, why can't more games be like this? 
And then a game comes out, it's like, okay, you're doing some Breath of the Wild things. It's not as good as Breath of the Wild, because not many games are. But it takes a lot of, like, the... Um, like, you can climb everything. And yes, the mechanic is almost one-for-one one identical with Breath of the Wild. But fuck it, it's a good mechanic, and it works. Hmm. It, it just does a lot, a lot well, and it's a really pretty game for a dance style. Hmm. I'd be really interested in playing a game like this on the Switch. I feel like it would be a lot of fun there too. Apparently, well, it chugs on Switch though. Unfortunately, it is on Switch. I'm hearing, but it, it kind of chugs. That's yeah, a shame. Well, but it's crazy. Uh, seeing, like, it's, not, it's not a game that you play. Seeing the graphical comparisons between the different consoles, all the way from like you know Series X down to the Switch, it's. It's really interesting seeing the ways that they were able to scale it back. This came out in there. This was like both Xbox generations, both PlayStation generations, PC, I believe, Switch and Stadia. Crazy. Do you think we'll see a lot more games like this that release on such a wide range of platforms? I think this is just a transitional thing. I hope not. Yeah. I I think because part of the issue that you'd run into with trying to do that is the limitations at certain hardware provide yeah for example you can't necessarily integrate uh you know a great set of adaptive trigger uh responses for the ps5 if you're also going to have it on the switch yeah. which doesn't have that uh, yes you can keep hd rumble across the two of them but then you can't do that for the xbox so then you run into walls there so um yeah i don't know I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see because there will always be games which are released on everything and we used to see this a lot with like movie tie-ins and some movie yeah. tie-in games were so fucking cool. And then others were just complete dog shit. Most of them were complete dog shit. Like Fight Club. <laughs> Featuring Fred <laughs> Durst. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, I think I think that is something we haven't seen a lot of for the, you know, the past generation of games, really, is we haven't seen many games which are just released on everything at once. Um, I, I, I think there's something to move away from it. There's a lot of... Uh... Yeah, a lot of people are unhappy with it because it, you could tell this game is held back. That's one of the complaints I have about the game is it, it very much it could have come out two years ago and not really felt different at all. But mm. hey, it, it looks nice in um, performance mode, running at sixty frames. It's a it's a pleasant surprise. So I, I hope if you, if you're wondering what game you should play next, um, and say Cyberpunk doesn't interest you that much, pick this up. I imagine it's gonna get pretty cheap pretty quickly because I don't imagine it's going to sell too well just because of the time it came out. Don't sleep on this one. Good time. But speaking of coming out on every single goddamn platform possible, we're sort of, we're entering into the next phase of of games. We're heading into the next generation. So before we do that with the uh, PS5 and the Xbox Series X, we thought we'd have a bit of a look back on the PS4 and the Xbox One. Both came out back in 2013. It's been a it's been a, a long generation. I mean, generations only last about seven to ten years, so I take that back. It's pretty much spot on. But we thought we'd go through and discuss our personal standout games in the generation. Maybe not necessarily the best games of the generation, but the ones that just sort of meant the most to us. We think are important. We think did something really interesting, and they're just you know noteworthy. Now, Simon, we're going to let you off the leash here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you've listened to the podcast before, you could probably guess which game Simon and myself are going to be talking about. Yeah? It's no it's real gonna secret. A, it's going to be a real predictable episode, this one. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, what, what made this generation special to you? 
Um, Final Fantasy fourteen. Just in general, the fact that what? it exists. <gasps> yeah, crazy. I know. Sorry, slightly, slightly out of left field. I know, but uh, <laughs> nah. Honestly, um, jokes aside, Final Fantasy fourteen is the single best MMORPG on the market. Now, so. this is Realm Reborn, right? Because we had... Um, yes. If, if you want to kind of listen to the transition between Final Fantasy XIV and Realm Reborn, um, episode 16, Tales of Redemption. Go back and listen to that one. Um, because they, they tore it up. Yeah. They rebuilt yeah. it. it so, the original version, so 1.0, came out back in 2010, and that uh, was supposed to release along uh, the PS3. Um, during during sort of the PS3's lifespan, but because of how shit 1.0 was, um, they obviously reworked it into a Realm Reborn, and that was released officially on the PS3 and PC in 2013, and then I think a couple of weeks later, um, the PS4 was coming out, and it was one of the first games that was available for upgrade on the PS4. Um, I think it was within like the first week or two of it being of the PS4 being out. So yeah, it's been so obviously Realm Reborn itself and every expansion, so Heaven's Ward, Stormblood, and of course Shadowbringers have been playable on the PS4. Full PS4 com- uh, combat like integration is the word I'm thinking of um, with the cross. Uh, I forget what they call it. I think it's like the cross cross hotbar. I think they call it the cross hotbar, which is a very clever way that the Square Enix team have designed the UI to work. <laughs> with you the, said with bar, I'm like, are you talking, is this like a football thing? Like no. what? <laughs> no, cr- the, the Simon, your English is showing. <laughs> um, the way that everything is mapped um, and makes full use of the controller um, and the limited amount of buttons. Because obviously an MMORPG, you're going to have a fuck ton of abilities and spells and whatever. And that's why it's great for keyboard and mouse. But with a controller, you run into a lot more limitations. But instead, they've come up with a very clever way of working around that. So each face button, so uh, the D-pad and triangle, circle, square, and X, um, can be set to whatever spell or ability or whatever you want. And then you can change. So that will be one set. So you have eight eight abilities on one one set. Then you change it to another set, and you can put your other ones. And then you change to another set and you can put your other ones as, as much as you need to. And it's really cool and a really clever way. And lots of, like, playing on a PS4 does not hinder your experience of the game at all because of how well it is integrated. So, yeah. When you, so like you said, when it first came out, it was sort of trash. Did you play it from the jump? Were you uh, not 1.0. I did not play 1.0. Um, just because bad... I mean, you're, you're a big Final Fantasy fan. You just weren't interested as a concept or just you heard enough bad... bad I saw so many else. bad reviews. And also, I didn't have a PC at the time that could run it. Um, I just ah. had a shitty, like, e- easy machine or whatever the fuck they're called from. I think it was right, Dell. Easy machine? E- e-machine. E-machine. Yeah, the that was the brand. That? I don't it know was, PCs, man. P- to be, to, as far as I'm concerned... PC sided last year. Yeah, well... Everything before that, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, so I had this really shitty, like, crappy laptop, which couldn't even run it. So, yeah, and then when I could finally play it, um, I threw myself into Realm Reborn, and it just completely absorbed me, to the point where, obviously, I'm still playing it to this very day. Like, I was playing it last night. Uh, there's a new patch coming out when this episode comes out, um, on Tuesday, so really excited for that. 
and we're going to get some more information coming out about the expansion in early February. So like this game is still very active. The community is incredible and it is absolutely one of the best stories I have ever experienced in a game. You're an MMO fan, right? Overall. Not, not massively. Like I tried WoW. I bounced off of that pretty quickly because I found the UI very clunky. I found the quests very homogenized and very basic. And there wasn't a narrative or anything to keep me interested. And it wasn't until I played Final Fantasy XIV that I really got into it. Like that completely absorbed me. Was it, like you would say that sort of the bait that got you oh, yeah. was Final Fantasy. It, yeah. Final, I don't like MMOs, but I like Final Fantasy, so I'm interested in this. Yeah, absolutely. And I got it on sale on Steam for like £15 or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that obviously, when you buy the game itself, you get a month yeah. free. For, for context, free that's, about, that's about $84 Australian? Uh, no, that would be probably about... Probably more at this point? Yeah, $10 million. Uh, at this point. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> um, no, it was, yeah, so that would be roughly about sort of 40 bucks Australian. Um, yeah, and I, when you buy the game, you get 30 days free playtime. It is a subscription-based MMO, so after those 30 days, you do have to start paying a subscription, but it is, you know, that's, that's the thing. Um, so yeah, I just absolutely What makes it sort of it. Different, to, different MMOs that have come out this gen? Um, that haven't really got you. I don't think any other MMO has captured a single-player narrative in such a clever way for a multi for a multiplayer game. That's actually one of the parts. Like, I'm not a Final Fantasy fan. I'm not an MMO fan. But you don't have whenever to I think be. of well, that's the thing. Whenever I think of MMOs, I think okay, the narrative is secondary, if not further down the list. Um, but whenever you speak about the game, you speak so highly of the story, and that's mm-hmm. really intriguing. Oh, like honestly, how would they manage to meld that in? The the development team, creative Division Unit 3, um, who are also the people behind Final Fantasy 16, which gives me huge hopes for that game. Ooh, like, yeah. I am so fucking keen because I know the team behind it. And uh, they just Friend, they, weave, the they weave these incredible stories. Maybe so there'll be friends. plot points. There'll be plot points that were dropped, you know, when the game first came out in your very first series of quests that you do, you, you know, oh, there's a mention of this thing or that thing. And then six years down the line, they bring that back up and they go, hey, remember that one dude you had uh, like you had to fight in that dungeon? Yeah, well, guess what? Now he's back. And this is why. And this is it. Like, he's been behind all of these little things that you have done. Every problem that you have solved has been because of this one dude that you pissed off. And See, maybe that's why MMOs don't work for me. Because if it's just like, hey, you remember this guy? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, if you've got the memory of the entirety of WoW for me. It was just like, yeah, like, pick up a quest, don't read it, accept it, go do it, come back, hand in quest, go to the next thing. And I still yeah, made it to level whatever I level. Yeah. I just like, oh, remember when you went to this cave and you picked this up and then you returned to this guy? Well, that guy, shouldn't, you shouldn't have returned to him. You should have walked over to this town and given it to this other um, woman. And I was like, Guys, I've, I've spent the last 35 minutes trying to work out what the attack button is. There isn't anything like that. There isn't like fake outs where you can do the wrong thing or anything like that. The game is very good at making sure you stick to the narrative that it has chosen for you without making you feel railroaded. It gives you encouragement. It gives you drive and a purpose to go and do the also things that you're you supposed a, to go and do. So, I've seen some gameplay. It also gives you a unicorn. Well, some, of the mounts are pretty, some of the mounts in this game are pretty cool. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You, you've got yeah, unicorns. Unicorn. Um, for the Monster Hunter fans, there's a Rathalos mount that you can get. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Actually, you're not, it's literally the only amount I fucking use in game because. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, just tangent because that's what we do here. Um, last week we spoke about uh, video game film adaptations that are coming out. Speaking of Monster Hunter, real quickly. Go on. Did you hear about what inspired the direction of the Monster Hunter film? No. A Metal Gear Solid Monster Hunter crossover that happened years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, the guy who's directing it, uh, Baddie McFilm, I can't remember what his name is. <laughs> Paul W.S. Anderson. Um, that's the one. Same thing. Yeah. He played that DLC or whatever it was, and he loved the juxtaposition of a soldier with a gun trying to fight a monster and then being like, oh shit, this doesn't work. I need to adapt. So, um, if the movie's uh, shit, Simon, um, blame Hideo Kojima. No. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to Paul, and, Paul Kojima. Um, if the movie's right. good, you, as pr- probably the biggest Metal Gear Solid fan here, you can thank Josh. Hey, <laughs> I'll take it. Thank All you. Right. And when, yeah. when Mountain Dew well, actually- and Doritos show up in the next Monster Hunter, we'll, we'll thank that same Metal Gear Solid game with all its wacky crossovers. All right? Oh, yeah. Um, although, actually, whilst we're very quickly talking about the Monster Hunter movie, did you hear about the uh, controversy surrounding the movie? And- yeah, a bit of backlash with the Chinese market because of a yeah. joke in the film. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, Back- so- backlash about something to do with games? <gasps> What? Ah, crazy. Um, yeah, so there's a, a throwaway line in the movie very early on, and one of the soldiers makes a very poor comment saying, oh, what sort of needs are these? Chinese. It's ridiculous. It's I, funny. I, I, I don't <laughs> understand. Like, I shit you not, that is verbatim the line. The flip. I, I'm not I even like, kidding you. I kind of that's like that it's... silly. See, it I, I sort of like that it is silly. Like, that's not like... It's, I don't think it was made with any sort of offense behind it. It's just a really dumb, dumb joke. Yes. I thought when I first read it, I'm like, there's going to be like a random scene where they like burn a flag for 15 minutes <laughs> and be like, that doesn't even have to be in the film. <laughs> that seemed like a bit much, that. Yeah, well. Um, but yeah, so no, because of that, and obviously the um, suspected relation to that old sort of slang thing where it was like Japanese, Chinese, dirty knees, what are these? Um, ah, okay. yeah, that's All right. that's the link, and obviously because that is quite a racially insensitive um, thing to say, just in general, um, you know, not not very not very politically correct or nice or polite at all. Never well, heard that before, in the film. Actually. Like, have you not? Don't put it in. Ah, hey, interesting. So but, back yeah. to Final Fantasy, though. Yes, real quickly before we move on to the next game, has anyone else played it yet? 14. To wait for Josh to play it. I, I have... I'm sorry, Simon. I have bought 14. I bought A Realm Reborn when it came out on PS4. I played a bit of it. I was in the beta. Uh, I had a good time with it. Then just, you know, never got around to really playing it much when it really did launch on PS4. Um, and then I've bought <laughs> a handful of the expansions since, hoping to hop in. And I never <laughs> did. But I, I think it's cool. And I really suck. And I never had anybody to play with before <laughs> Simon, so we'll have to do it sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sorry, Sai. I, I installed the trial and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. That's fair. Because I, I love MMOs, so I should I'm like not going this. to. Hey, you can't make me. That's fine. Okay. Um, look, my, my recommendation... <laughs> Simon's going to hit me. 
my recommendation is anyone who's even mildly interested in MMOs, absolutely play this game. This is by far the best MMO on the market. Um, any Final Fantasy fans, play this game because this game is so full of other Final Fantasy references. Sometimes it's a throwaway line. Sometimes there's, you know, um, massive like quest lines related to Final Fantasy 3. And there's like an entire raid series focused on uh, Final Fantasy 5 and 6. And like there's there's lots of really cool moments, and uh, even Final Fantasy twelve gets like this huge section for it, and there's just so much to it that it absolutely for any Final Fantasy fan, if you just want this complete love letter to the franchise, this is the game you want to play. And let's face it, because of Final Fantasy, that's a fucking wacky, weird, and wonderful love letter. Speaking of wacky, weird, and wonderful, Josh, just Josh, just. Just Josh, that's just a burn on you, Josh. Yeah. Your game, <laughs> your game of last generation. Uh, what was, what was, what have you got? My pick is Death Stranding. It's one of my favorite games of the generation. Um, it's probably one of my favorite games of all time. Like, um, very few games kind of spoke to me um, in the way that Death Stranding did. Um, and that's not like without even mentioning like the insane years of hype um, leading up to its release. Oh yeah. Because, like, I had, even, like, when they announced the release date and stuff, I was like, no, there's no way. There's no way it's coming this soon. Because I don't think any of us expected it to arrive when it did. Like, off, if you looked at the, the this generation of gaming as a whole, the build-up to Death Stranding, the theories and the rumours and the conspiracies and stuff all behind it. I believed them all. <laughs> arguably the dominant story <laughs> of yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, it was huge. Triumphant as well, man. Like, it, it came out. house trailers. And, like, it it was weird and it was odd and it didn't appeal to everyone. But at the end of the day, like, it was unabashedly, you know, Death Stranding. It was a Hideo Kojima game, you know? Um, it sorry. felt like a massive exhale after Milky Solid. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he, I, I feel like he needed to make that exact game. I, I haven't finished it. I need to go back and finish it. Oh, my Lord. Um, <laughs> but I... When you first start playing, because, yeah, you're a delivery man, basically. You work for FedEx in the future. Um, mm. And I'm like, I'm playing this because I like Hideo at one point. I was like, is that why I'm playing this? I kind of question myself. I'm like, no, this is really cathartic. This is like a meditation. I like how slow and purposeful everything I do is. Everything everything I do feels important. Like, he made walking, basically, from one point to another a challenge where every like, step I took... That's the crazy mattered. thing as well. Like, so many people were coming out of the clockwork and saying, like, is it even a game? Is it this? Like, of course it's a game. Like, if Cookie Clicker <laughs> is, can even be considered a game, why wouldn't... Oh, what the yeah. fuck? Like, <laughs> sorry, it's just like, it's a game where it's literally, um, instead of... <sighs> engaging in heavy dialogue trees or uh, even enemy encounters, although there are some, um, like it's a game about like traversal and it makes you look at, you know, like a, a field of stones and stuff. and makes you go like, okay, I need to plan out my route through here or like I need to anticipate this is the button combination I'm going to press or this is like the combo I have to use to get through this section. Um and that's just the beginning because like by the end, it moves beyond that meditation and it moves beyond um, focusing on those little things. Although that is still there. It's just a small part of a much bigger whole that is like you set up 
networks of zip lines and automated like, things and, and roads and, like uh, and like to the point where like it's one of those games where like by the end of it like if you set it up right like you're just tapping a button every now and then to like activate a zip line because you've set up a really efficient zip line network that just flies you across the map with a couple of button presses it's the like game that rewards you putting in the hard work early on oh so like you said at that start every i've never felt a game where Every action I took had such a weight bearing down on it, um, literal and dude. Yeah, like um, I actually remember <laughs> the first time you take control of Norman Reedus, um, and you just like the first thing I did was like I didn't, I don't know what I was anticipating, but I wasn't expecting um, Sam, the character's name, excuse me, um, to like feel so heavy. So I kind of like went off, and I wanted to kind of like walk along like the edge of a cliff kind of thing. And I just overshot it and he just went falling off the edge <laughs> and I got a cutscene, oh. and I was like, cool. <laughs> like, don't be yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> like that, I, that felt like what uh, to me at the time that felt like what every player was going to be experiencing. And I felt like I was a part of that. Um, even though so many people probably just like, you know, I'm going to go over to the objective, but I was just like, goofy as hell and i just fell off a ledge and I, like it felt like an important part of the story where they're like oh yeah by the way sam can come back to life <laughs> you know like oh okay that's really weird and it was just another breadcrumb to have me interested you know the game like i i knew i know kojima games are always going to be weird and, and goofy but you can also play them quite seriously so you can play a Metal Gear solid game really seriously all stealth blah 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 but to the, the like, guy who shit, who is literal comedic relief and shits his pants every second he's on screen, marries your long-term love interest in front of you in a 40-minute yeah. cutscene. And then he puts Ow, a yeah, gun in his head. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Why would Kojima do that? Why? Um, but, like, when you first go to your little, like, dwelling for the first time and you're like, oh, I can drink... Um, Monster energy drink until I throw up. Yeah. Um, I can, <laughs> my favorite right, pastime. I can have. <laughs> I can have. A sh I can go piss in the shower, and have an ad for Norman Reedus's AMC show Ride appear <laughs> on the shower screen. I'm like, oh, oh. Also, while listening to Bring Me the Horizon for yeah. some reason, some new song by Bring Me the I'm Horizon like, out of nowhere, which was a banger. Which was Rudin's was a banger. It was a banger. <laughs> I used to sit in there and just listen to churches and Bring the Horizon. Like, yeah, nothing Pipe makes up, sense drink anymore. Drink some monster energy but, and like, like put on the your moment, flat cap. Like that happened, and you're like, oh, like there's the goofiness. Okay, let's have fun with this. And the the game became. Fun, but when it became tense, like it just had this like it was going between tense and fun so often. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of like just saw the, the in between of tedium. But when you're going um, past the what are the bad guys called? Those ghosty boys, the haunters, uh, the mentors. All oh, right, the I think the BTs, beached things. BTs, they are terrifying. Yeah. Also, the, like the because the first time you go past them, you're sneaking past it, and you you don't want to go near them. Or when they they uh, sense you and they start coming towards you, you see the golden uh, footprints appearing near you. You don't know what's going to happen. Like, is this just a simple death screen, and I start again, or will I go somewhere yeah. completely different? It's one of those things. Like, the normal rules of a game do not apply here. Um, 
Can you explain to me what the, what the fetus in a bag is all about, please? <laughs> no, that really so, funky fetus. So, <laughs> that's right. Um, no, yeah. So, essentially, the baby. Am I allowed to talk about this kind of stuff? The game is purposely like light, meant to be light mysterious. Light spoilers. Don't go too far in. Okay, so like it's kind of a connection to the other world. So it's a connection to like the afterlife um, because the baby, you know, hasn't really been born yet. So it's still connected via umbilical cord, which is an important part of the story. Um, so the idea is that it's neither living or dead kind of thing. Right, so by being okay. connected to it, it gives you the ability to see into like the afterlife kind ah, of. Okay, cool. BB cool. crawl yeah. so that baby Yoda could run. <laughs> That's why it's the defense of baby Yoda. Cause I think, I think and uh, like, yeah, without even like going too deep into the story, like it has to be like, it's completely nonsensical at times, of course. Um, of but course. I feel like my favorite things about Metal Gear and like other Kojima games is just like, you don't remember beat for beat the story, you know? You don't really remember why Raiden goes to this specific tanker platform and has a boss fight with a vampire or some crap. Um, it's more so about, like, you know, the emotions you feel, or, like, the revelations that, oh. that are made, you know? Um, and you throw him into that water and it all bubbles so he sinks, but he can't get back up. Like, <laughs> oh. um, and I like so I feel like, again, Death Stranding kind of has the best Kojima story in a way where it's kind of like it makes the most sense and it has all those crazy moments. Um, and then for the characters where you don't really push the story along particularly, like you also get those awesome memorable moments with them. Um, so I like, there's so many characters where I can't write, quite remember where they kind of fall into the overall story, but I remember my interactions with them. And I remember like some like Jeff dumb Keeling goofy ghost. catchphrase, but I also remember like, you know, the resonance you had there with them in that moment and what it meant at the time. Um, Cause like, even by the end of the game, like with some of the themes it touches upon, like, it's literally like, it feels like Kojima is just pouring his heart out and being like, this is me um, fighting for purpose when I felt like I didn't have any kind of thing. And it's just, it's like, I loved them. It's so crazy. The, the theories about the game that before it came out, um, a lot of people were finding connections between um, like the, the trailers that we got, which were absolutely bonkers. And it's like, is this about uh, Kojima leaving Konami? Is this about him leaving the past? That is Metal Gear Solid. Does like, Metal Gear Solid is that almost death? It's this whole project, and then the BB is destroying like his new project. He has defended, or like is this... it was cathartic for him. I wish it was a little bit more. If it was any more Hideo Kojima, there would have been a whole mission about spaghetti. Yeah, I would have loved that. <laughs> that man loves spaghetti. That man loves spaghetti and Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> There is two things, and and cinema, obviously. And cinema. Um, Keelan, Simon, Lorne, have you guys played it? Um, Have you guys played it, for one? No, not at all. No. No. I watched a majority of Josh trudging through it, and me kind of sitting there on my phone on the couch looking up and going, what the hell are you doing? Why is why is there pizza? Why is there this? Why is there that? What happened here? And I I never got answers. He just said, shh. 
Yeah, I think I got like 130 hours Put his hand up my face and then I just kind of went back to my phone. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a game that my, my girlfriend couldn't watch me play because she's like, um, why does it say your boots have run out? I'm like, because I need new boots, okay? I'm going <laughs> to go over here. Out. I'm going to deliver a corpse so I can get new shoes. How is that so hard to understand? Have you played a Kojima game yeah. before? This is it, pretty basic right now. It was a really interesting game to watch uh, being played because like, I understood the gameplay like mechanics of it, like... Um, uh, you know, going through rough terrain too quickly could cause you to wear out your equipment quick enough or quickly, or like, um, slipping can destroy the package if you fall over and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I understood and I, I enjoyed those kind of, those kind of gameplay elements of it. But like, yeah, it, I think because I haven't delved into anything Kojima ever apart from uh, you know, watching videos or like hearing kind of um snippets of why Metal Gear Solid is one of the best franchises of all time and all that kind of stuff. If it is, I don't know. <laughs> That's just what uh, Josh said. It's, called it's just Joe, yes. It's just him talking <laughs> it's, while he's in the it's, shower. It's completely really. normal. It's like yeah. the tape I put on before we go to bed every night. <laughs> That's the white noise we hear when we're falling asleep. That's it. It's just reviews just of Metal Gear Solid. And uh But I feel like why keep I think, sorry. great. <laughs> I Aww. feel like the dialogue around Death Stranding and like, you know, people saying, oh, it's so, so silly. It's so this, it's so that. I feel like it kind of stifled it in a way or even yeah. the kind of discussion about Kojima and being like, oh, it's so wacky, so out there. Like, mm. is it even a game? Well, it just kind of like really stifled the conversation around it. Cause of I, course I, think, it's a game. I game. think a lot and of people... Like, this was one of the games of the generation, one of one of the main ones, where if you didn't like it, you shouted it so everyone heard you, so you were special. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, like I feel like it's kind of like The Last of Us, you know, in a way, back kind of when it first came out, it was like, you know, if you didn't like it specifically but everyone else loved it, I felt like uh, the reviewers out there, like, you know, for example, like places like Giant Bomb and all that who would just kind of shout it until – it was fact, you know. Until you gave up, yeah. Yeah, until you gave up and you just kind of went, okay, like it's not great. Like I'm not saying that that's my opinion whether or not it is or not. But, um, yeah, like this game, like I saw so many reviews, you know, that were good for good reason. I'm not saying it shouldn't have been whatever. But then the ones that came out that said this game is ridiculous waste of time, I put 40 hours into it, I'm not going to put any more time into it. Like it's so, it's so dumb and stupid. I felt like were the ones that just – obnoxiously shouted into the void to be heard. <laughs> I, I agree with you so much right now. Yeah. I feel like um the was it I think it's the game trendy was to dislike not the, because of the game, own. basically. Yeah. It was it wasn't so much overhyped, it was over discussed, I think, before it came out because the trailer and the discourse around it was so intriguing. So everyone was talking about it. So when it came out, it was never gonna meet everybody's expectations because everyone's expecting yeah, absolute for sure. fucking chaotic madness. And everyone was sort of expected a Metal Gear Solid game, so there's expected to be more action or more espionage or just more kind of real world politics to it, which there aren't. Rather, there, I mean, there's a lot of politics. Well, I feel like that's that's way. another crazy thing is like a year on, how relevant is this game to like our yeah. life? Like in a right. really yeah. creepy way. Just the same way that like Metal Gear Solid 2 predicted fake news and stuff. Like it's, but it's, by, um, it's actually the crazy. I'm going to make it a point to drink He's enough monsters that I throw up. Just to really live, live the moment. I'm, I'm gonna piss on some rocks and some weird 
golden hand mushroom thing will crap. Yeah, you are. And then you're going to pick <laughs> but, up those golden hand mushrooms, baby. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I think going back to, to, to Lauren's point regarding, like, reviewers and sort of the... Uh, going so hard the other way that you have to hate it. That happens so much. And like you said, with Last of Us 2, it was like... It's almost like people are like, too many people like this. I refuse to be one of them. It's, it's not so admitting you like One Direction. Way, um, that I, it becomes a joke songs. almost. I fucking hate it. One Direction are fine. One Direction <laughs> had some of the best pop songs like of the years they were active. I'll, I'll stand by that. <laughs> of this generation of games, yeah. Of this generation of games. I, I, th- I think if you had to have a, a band off the last generation of games, I think One Direction would be in there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Transporter bridge is only with one direction. That's forward because you got to move on. (laughs) Speaking of moving on, that was an accidental segue. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lauren, what you got? It's me. Hello, welcome to my TED talk. Um, So my one of my not this isn't necessarily my favorite of the generation because it's too late. Put it down. Everyone will know this forever. This generation was really, really tough. Uh, So. I've picked Firewatch uh, by Campo Santo. It came out 2016 for more or less a walking simulator. Um, uh, what did it get released on? PlayStation 4 and the PC, I believe, PC, at the start. Yeah. Uh, PC, especially for those photographs you could print out. Um, so the reason why I've gotten this on my Games of the Generation um, list thingy um so i'm burping a lot because i just had a lot of water <laughs> Oof. Yeah. give me a minute um too many, too many of them uh oof. monster energy drinks hey sam yeah that's it <laughs> don't hurt <laughs> no uh sorry the reason why i have this uh on my list of the generation is because of the way this game kind of um upped the ante of storytelling for me um Especially in this uh, kind of era of the generation, this is when we had a lot, a lot of like narrative, uh, crazy, crazy good narratives basically in video games. Like every year we, um, that there were best stories of the year, there were so many different games that came into this category. Um, especially, yeah, in the midsection of this, of the PlayStation, Xbox um, One generation. Um, but this one, especially because it's a lot of, uh, it's, well, it's actually not, I was going to say it's a lot of show, not tell, but I guess it's a lot of tell, not show because you don't actually see any of these characters that you interact with, but that's basically the greatness of the voice acting, um, in this game specifically is because you don't see the characters you're interacting with like at all. And it it is like, yeah. The main VR guy, he's from Mad Men, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Uh, I can't remember what the, the guy's name is, but He's, um, I, Rich, I haven't played Rich Firewatch. Summers. Rich Summers. Mm-hmm. I haven't played the game, but I know you've been telling me to play it for a while, so I will soon. Um, Please do. <laughs> when I first heard the voice, I was like, oh, Mad Men, I'm in, I'm keen. Mad Men. Yeah, no, very good voice acting. Um, voice acting is something that makes or breaks a game for me. Um, I'm very particular when it comes to voice acting. If there's anything, like, if there's something... That if they're not good at conveying emotion, if there's if there's certain scenes, you could be good three quarters of the way through, and if there's a hard hitting scene that just doesn't quite hit right with voice acting, it just ruins everything for me, and I just can't get past it. Check so out. to have a basically a very heavily narrative driven game 
in this quote unquote walking simulator um, without actually interacting face to face with any other characters is like quite incredible <laughs> for what they've what done for this game. Like, yeah. And not only that, the, the mystery that it entails and involves is just really good <laughs> as well. Like, like, it, what, like what it, is the game about itself? Because I've yeah. only seen trailers and I've heard amazing things about it. So the game is about uh, you play as his name's Henry. Uh, this is in 19, oh, 1989, I believe, in uh, Wyoming. So Henry has uh, come from the city where he lived with his wife, Julia, who unfortunately uh, this is all stuff you find out kind of in, the, in like a pre-roll of the game where you kind of choose the direction you want your character in your own mind, like internalising how this character really is. Um, so, you know, whether or not he's he's angry, whether or not he's – it doesn't change anything. It just changes how he is in your mind, basically, how you perceive him, Ooh. which is cool. Cool as hell. Um, so he's moved to Wyoming because his wife, Julia, unfortunately has got uh, early-onset Alzheimer's and she has moved back to Australia with her family. Um, and so you're, you're still married to her but you, you just kind of – Henry's just trying to figure out what to do with his life, you know, now that he's got, you know, mid thirties or mid forties, I think, sorry. And he's, you know, wife's got Alzheimer's. She doesn't remember who he is. And he's just trying to, he's at this point in his life where he doesn't really know what to do. So he picked up a job in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Wyoming in America to take the position as a fire watchman where you go up into towers in the middle of the wilderness and you basically watch for wildfires and report them back so they can get, you know, either uh, just tracked <laughs> so they don't become these, a, this massive thing, basically. That's like a really cushy job until the day it's not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically. Like, every day is really easy. It's like, oh, wait, there's a fire. Ah, fuck. That's yeah, basically, like, you know what? You Honestly, that's kind of the premise of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's just like sitting up in your tower, drinking booze all day until eventually, oh, shit. Oh, shit, what's that smoke coming Call from? Call in a cop. Okay. See, maybe I should quit my job and do that between, say, like March and uh October mm. and then quit. Because mm-hmm. if you do it through actual fire, fire season, you you're gonna be busy. Oh no, in Australia that's a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> Anyone who's involved with fighting fires, heroes. goddamn heroes. <laughs> Holy shit. Absolutely well, heroes. Right? Holy shit. It's just like <laughs> yeah. a summer job for him, right? Uh yes. Well yeah. it's a summer job, but it's something that you once you once summer's over, you leave, you go back home and you come back. So people are doing it for um, years and years and years, and that's kind of how people get to know their their posts, where they stay, like these specific fire watch towers that you go into. So anyway, you make your way there, and on the other end of a walkie-talkie is a lady named Delilah who is in the watchtower that you can kind of see over in the distance. Like she's she's far enough away that you can't see her wave, but you can see her tower, you can see her lights on and all that kind of stuff. And she tries to befriend you, and obviously Henry kind of, being grisly, not liking his past and, you know, not really liking why he's there in the first place. She tries to befriend him and, you know, he's not really he's not really interested in it. But kind of as the, as time goes on, you do your firewatch duties. Um, she's trying to get to know you a bit more and eventually you kind of start to open up a bit more about your life. Um, so it's all dialogue uh, option-based So and it's all time-based as well. So, um you have a timer that can run out and uh, when when you're doing your replies and if you don't reply to her, then she takes it as like 
you know, you kind of being sully. <laughs> oh, I hate, I hate, I hate the anxiety behind those sort of choices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do I. But they do actually give you kind of a decent amount of time. However, cool. someone did a playthrough where they didn't respond to Delilah at all, <laughs> um, and apparently the story didn't make sense. <laughs> so un- unless you, um, unless you kind of assume that in the time skips that they've talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of like, well, how would she know that? Because you tell her yeah. that on this day and all that. So yeah. Anyway, so it's, it's a very um, narrative driven game. Uh, you you go around, you explore your little area, your little woods area in um, Wyoming, kind of discovering the land, uh, discovering kind of the wilderness. There are some places cut off until the story progresses. You there, like you know, you get rope or um, uh, you get access to cut down bushes and all that, um, and. Yeah, it's just it's just a nice little adventure until it turns into this weird mystery. Um, a couple of girls that you had seen, uh, and this is only very early, so I'm not not really spoiling anything. Um, a couple of girls that you'd seen lighting fireworks from the lake uh, that you've gone down to yell at, either nicely or very aggressively, depending on how you want to play your Henry. Um, they disappear, and so you and Delilah, or especially Delilah, kind of panic as if to like. Well, we involved that we were the last ones to see them. Like yeah, they like, might I get threw us all involved shit in into it. the lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like you know, you find their tent and it's been kind of destroyed. Was destroyed by bears? Have they destroyed it themselves? Like you know, have they just gone for a, a wander and they just haven't been seen yet? Like who knows? Um, mystery grows larger, and yeah, it. Uh, when it ends, you definitely feel differently about. Your character, Henry, about Delilah, about this whole situation and just how it it evolves the story and evolves your character like like tenfold <laughs> towards the end of it. Like like your Henry, depending on how you play, um, it's kind of in I guess not really spoilers, I guess it you can kind of go a a, deru- a, a, route, a direction or a route. Um, that implies <laughs> that there's a sandstorm. Oh, sandwatch. Yeah, yes. sandwatch. Perfect thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you kind of <laughs> there is a firewatch two coming out. Firewatch oh, two, the sandstorm. Yeah. watch. Um, yeah, where Henry falls in love with Delilah, or Delilah falls in love with Henry. Either way, like that's kind of implied in like certain dialogue options you can pick as you go through the story. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's really hard to talk about this game (laughs) in terms of how much it's so good narratively without talking about the ending and talking about the big mystery that it does involve, um, which also, uh, a lot of people kind of came out of this thinking that it was a whole lot of nothing, you know, and that kind of ruined the story overall. You came out of it not with a mystery being solved, but like just kind of going, oh, well, everything was just nothing then. There was nothingness. There was no mystery, you know, and it's just kind of like, well, it's how you interpret it really. But Yeah, it's kind of yeah. it, the focus isn't on those things that it's drawing attention to. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Like I remember, it, it makes like, you think when, that it's a mystery, but yeah. it's really focused on relationships. <laughs> like when I sat down and, like, Lauren got me to play it for the first time, I was disappointed um, just with where it went. I didn't think it really mm-hmm. – it was just kind of a lackluster kind of ending. It didn't really hit any notes that I was expecting. Um, but in kind of, you know. Yeah, I disagree, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> in the, yeah, well, exactly. And, like, in the years since we played it, like, 
um, having some time to kind of digest it and, you know, um, kind of turn it over yeah. in my head. Like it holds mm-hmm. such a very special um, kind of emotional place in yeah. my heart well, it's, um, just because of the really way I interpreted. Yeah. And like the way I interpreted a lot of those dialogue trees, I think was so completely different from the way Lauren did. Um, mm-hmm. And the relationship that I had with Delilah um, was so much deeper, I think, um, than I initially felt at the time. Um, I know that sounds dumb, but it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, like introspection since I've, you know, considered some of the conversations I had, you know, in that game. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's kind of what it meant in the greatest game of things. I get mm-hmm. it now. Um, it's just a, it's a very games, odd, subtle game. They, yeah. they sort of dictated so much by the mood you have when you go into them because <laughs> yeah. they're not they're not designed to push you in a certain direction. They're made for you to experience it in your own way. Like, yeah. Lauren, like you said at the start, you can make your character who I'm calling call Rich Summers. <laughs> um, you could say, like, he's angry. Is it going to have effect in the game? No, but it, the way you think of him saying stuff now is yeah. angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way you, your backstory you make in your own head is going to be angry. Yeah. So, like, examples of from this generation of walking simulator, quote-unquote, games that, like, I went into... Um, Oh, what's the one where you explore the creepy house? Gone home. No. Gone home. Yes. I went to that, to that like, okay, I've got no idea what it's going to be. Yeah, that was And spooky. I was blown away at the end. Yeah. I loved that game. But then another game, like, um, Let's All Go to the Rapture, I just wasn't in the mood to play it. I forced myself to, mm-hmm. and that was a mistake because yeah. I'm just like, I kind of misread everything. Yeah. Although when I was thinking back, I'm like, I need to go back to that game because I I think I'll like it It'll now. that I'm, Yeah. I well, the run at the start, the um, the little kind of uh, choice-based little narrative thingy it does at the start of the game. I forgot what that's called. It's called a specific thing, but I forgot. A dialogue option? No. Not <laughs> yes, but no. It's um, actually, it's kind of it's kind of like a life path, right? If that yeah, makes sense. Like you, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You kind of choose. So, yeah, like it tells you the story of, of um, how he met Julia, like what, what they did kind of throughout their life. She says she wants to have kids. You either say, that'd be nice, Julia, or you say, nah, not for us. And then, you know, you go on and um, when she finally, or, you know, sadly succumbs to Alzheimer's, or not succumbs because that means she dies, she doesn't die. Um, when she, you know, gets taken over by, by Alzheimer's, it's, it's, it's either you, you ask her family for help or you go it alone and deny that it even exists. Like you lock her in the room Jesus and go drinking. Christ, or okay? you call her family over and, and ask if they could take care of her for you because you're struggling. You know, it's either you you go in, you, you then go into the mind of Henry. You go play Henry as a dude who went to the bar every night and locked his wife in a room so she wouldn't hurt herself and she wouldn't leave because she doesn't know where she is. Or someone who's, yeah, like needed some, some extra help. So then you kind of go to Delilah and his options when talking to Delilah, when she's like, so what's, you know, what's going on with you? And you're either like, fuck off. I don't even know who you are. Or you go, yeah, listen, I've had a pretty tough life. And it's like, for me, anyway, I, I really enjoy going through these games um, in this one specific path. You know, so if, if I decide at the start that I'm not going to talk about my wife at all, I'm not going to stray from that. And then I like to see where that game heads down, like, yeah. Or the other way, like when I first played it, I told Delilah everything about Julia, everything about my wife. And that ended up, uh, there's a place where Henry thinks he's going insane and he thinks 
in a panic, he goes, maybe there was something in the water and maybe I've got what Julia has. Like maybe I'm the one going insane. And it's like such an emotional moment. And I was just like, fuck. But then I watched Josh play it and he didn't get anything like that. He didn't, he was just like, you got like an angry Henry who was just like, you know, just, just angry that he was in the situation he was in. And it was just, it, yeah, I, it's just the way that I hate trees and I hate fire. (laughs) It's all bad for me. I'm the one lighting all these fires, by the way. I'm just really fucking pissed off at everything. I don't even know why I've got this job. Laura, I feel like you have a very particular taste in video games. So just judging from the last few games you get to pick, Mm -hmm. it's autumnal Mm -hmm. because all your games are, are autumn. Um, not, I'm really just comparing Night in the Woods and and uh, and Firewatch. <laughs> yeah. I do like autumn. They're autumnal. They are emotionally devastating. <laughs> I like to be and broken. They have, yeah, and they they will have a twist at the end. Like they're halfway through, they become like a conspiratorial mystery sort of thing. I think I just enjoy uh, I respect, I respect how the, the narratives can make me feel. <laughs> you know. Like, I think I just really enjoy, um, if there is a mystery in a game, I really enjoy how it makes me like, what the fuck, (laughs) you know, on the inside, like, like, you know, the the Firewatch mystery, whatever it may be, whatever you may see it as, like, it's just, it turns everything into just this heartbreaking story. Yeah. And it's not even like, yeah, it's hard to explain, but yeah. Simulators, when they click properly, Mm. they take sort of player agency away from you. Yeah. And you're like, there's a point where you're on the journey. Like the game is taking you somewhere. Mm-hmm. So when it decides to destroy you, it's like, oh my God, that fucking hurt. But it's cathartic. Yeah. Because I've had a few games like that where it's, you know, a lot most games you're controlling everything, which mm-hmm. would have been such a good segue to my next game. Holy shit, I fucked up. <laughs> you're controlling everything. And therefore, when things happen to you, you know you can kind of get out of it and you don't have that same emotional connection because- yeah. You're taking yourself there. Yeah. But when a game that sort of like lulls you into false security and sort of walks you along that way and you become really invested and you put a lot of yourself in the character, mm-hmm. because that's what you naturally do with walking simulators, um, when they decide to, break, to, to kind of break you, they go hard. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't play Firewatch. No, play it. It's great. It's no, really, I, really I, good. I think you should. I want to I wanna see you just crumble. I think, okay, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. And then maybe in, uh, you know, sometime next year, we'll do a spoiler cast on it. Yeah. And we can talk about it more. That would be good. Because, yeah. No, done I've, and done. I mean, I did I've, I did a spoiler cast on, like, a previous podcast years ago. We had in our Games of the Year discussion. We had I have talked about this game so much, and I will do it again. <laughs> and I do it again. <laughs> do it for Turt Reynolds. <laughs> the do turtle. it for Turt Reynolds. Oh, my gosh. You can find a turtle and you can call it Turt Reynolds. And you carry him oh around with you, yeah, and he good. moves in yes. with you. You carry him. <laughs> okay, so yeah. hang on. Sorry, yeah. you said this game is available now on Game Pass, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, for, for yes. real on Game Pass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done. Pretty sure. Okay, I'll play. I'll, sure. I'll start it mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, sorry, mm-hmm. work, but fuck you. <laughs> and it's it's not dead. that long. It's only like a four hour game, really. Um, oh, perfect. It it lulls you once again into a false sense of dur- of a pace. I mean, when it starts with day one, and then it goes, you do a little bit. Day two, and they do a little bit. Day three, and they do a little bit more. Day 78, and you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. I'm so angry right. and mad. That's fine. Well, moving on. Let's just say, you know, before I'm like, oh, I could have done a really good segue here. And I mentioned control. Blah, blah, blah. Imagine that just happened. And then I'm like, 
my game of the generation is Control. <laughs> no way, I want to put it. Classic, a knee slapper. Keelan, Keelan, can you please edit out all that laughter, rapturous applause and knee slapping? Because I think I don't think the audience needs to hear that. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> no. Now... Can I just say okay, very quickly, Jess, before you get into this, me picking Final Fantasy and you picking Control, it's just... Greatest it, to, it, it was meant you're to basic. be. You're basic. <laughs> you're basic. You're basic. Keelan, yeah. 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 I, I have your choice in front of me. It's not like you dug deep for this one, okay? <laughs> Goddamn basic bitch. Um, now, to be honest, my game of the generation is God of War. Um, I, I said that multiple times. I think it's one of the greatest games ever made. Um, if not personally, my f- oh, it's between that and Jack Two. Jack Two is very, very good. Jack I don't know. I'll so that another good, day. Man. But oh. we have done. Oh my god, we're doing a Jack and Daxter look back episode. Fuck yeah, twenty twenty one is gonna be hard, man. Who's the <laughs> um, best? We've done a whole we've done a whole God of War retrospective episode. So I don't want to retread um, that ground. So I, I thought I'd retread some other ground <laughs> and talk about Control again. Um, <laughs> So Control, um, from, uh, made by Remedy, the same studio behind, uh, the Alan Wake series and, um, that Xbox game that was also a TV show, Quantum Break. (laughs) Quantum Break, uh, Max Payne. Yeah, a lot of games. Um, came out last year. It was obviously my, my game of last year. The basis of it, you play as, uh, Jesse Faden. You go into a building called the Oldest House looking for your brother. There was some mysterious shit that happened in your youth. Um, and you want to find out where your brother's being held. It turns out the oldest house is a facility, a government facility occupied by the Bureau of Control. They're your men in black cross the X-Files kind of government organization. Um, tasked with understanding the arcane, all sorts of mysteries, uh, altered items, objects of power, just really weird shit. Um, but when you go in there, the Bureau is in a bit of a state of flux because of a mysterious entity known as the Hiss. Um, when you've seen all the sort of uh, materials advertising the game, that red light represents the hiss. Um, and it's taken over people, it's taken over departments, um, it's turned some people into different monsters, blah, 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 blah. Now, I remember it really vividly. This was revealed at an E3 or whatever, and I think every every E3 or Game Awards, there's always that one game that catches my eye purely because it looks cool. Like, I don't give a shit about the story. This just looks stylish. I think uh, the PlayStation conference this year that had that one where you're like skate, you're like rollerblading in space and shit, and you can go upside down. I can't remember what the game oh, was yeah. called. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, cool. it looked cool. And I'm like, ooh, I'm getting that same feeling I had when I, when I first saw Control. But then I forgot about Control. Um, unfortunately, it was just, it just got buried in, uh, under a bunch of other games, which often happens. The reason I got this game. Is because of another Australian uh, video game outlet. Thanks, Survivor. Um, <laughs> Survivor had a competition. Win a copy of Control. Friends of the show. Oh, the, the uh, ultimate edition of um, Control and some other goodies. You get a hat and stuff like that. Also, whenever I wear the Control hat outside, I feel really weak. I'm, wearing, I'm walking around with a hat that just says word, word Control in it. I'm just like, oh, cool. Every, I, I'm just telling everyone in the world that I'm a dom. Great. That's cool, man. This one, aren't I? I'm always wearing my cap that says detain on. It's the same as like the obey hat. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. We'll start our own thing. We're going to have ones that say sub. <laughs> God. 
I can't, of course I'm going to talk about sex when I talk about a video game. Um, so I, I was lucky enough, I, I won the competition. I was like, oh, fuck, fucking A. Um, then I read their review, which was absolutely glowing, and I read some other reviews. I'm like, holy, okay, this is something special here. So I came home, poured myself a whiskey. I'm like, oh, I'll start this, I'll play it. Maybe I'll play a few hours, I'll go do something else. I sat down and I played, I played like six, seven hours in my first go. I was hooked. It's because this game is so outwardly confident. I've spoken the confidence of this game before. Um, in it, like for one, design-wise, it's all brutalist architecture. It's a very sharp corner that I've realized I really like this. This game sort of revealed a few things to myself that um, I never really kind of considered uh, things I like. But brutalism in design, which is massive, like a lot of concrete, real sharp corners, I love it. I love the Soviet bullshit that it is. Um, this game has that, but it obviously has its dimensional twists on things. So when you see a really long grey concrete corridor which just looks like the most boring shit, but then you get to the end and it's warped and twisted and going into the abyss. It, it's jarring. And I like I like how uncomfortable it made me feel. It's It turns the mundane into some sort of like interdimensional horror, which is really cool. Um, again, very Exiles, Twilight Zone. But it's not just the design, the confidence. I think it's the writing. I The game... Uh, assumes a lot of knowledge, not so much about the game universe itself, yeah. but about the the subject matter. It doesn't go out when of its way certain... to like explain no. any of this to you, man. You have to figure and it out. It's a game but you that must have read all of Alan Wake's books. Exactly. It's a game that will leave you behind, and it doesn't mind. And I've never really played a game that was so willing to, if I wasn't paying attention, to be like, okay, we're we're moving on now. If you're if you're lost here, you're gonna get more lost, but you're still intrigued. If you don't know why you're shooting it, at this rubber duck right now, that's your fault. Then <laughs> just 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 finish what you're doing here. <laughs> this rubber duck's gonna disappear around the room, um, and you have to kill it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but it leaves these breadcrumbs. Like I, the rubber duck's a really good example. Um, rubber, the, the, there are a number of things called objects of power, which are just normal items around the world that are imbued with these different powers they can have different abilities you could touch a fridge and go into a different dimension that's ruled by some massive monster called the former um and it will kill you don't you uh, hate it when you just try to get like your sandwich out of the fridge happens, of work and you just get teleported to a complete other dimension um, <laughs> and yeah you have all these like weird things throughout this building where they can try and contain these things and yeah the, the rubber duck it um its only power is basically it can just appear wherever it wants to so it will teleport it's not dangerous per se, but it's not understood. So they are studying it and trying to work out what exactly it, it does. Um, it takes these everyday items and gives them a bizarre and stupid spin, but it makes you take it 100% seriously because of all the information you've read about it. Because everyone in that in the Bureau of Control takes these things seriously, you suddenly do as well. So when you see a pink garden flamingo... It's terrifying behind these like glass walls and stuff it's like okay i need to be on my game here and just not to ruin anything when you see the flamingo you need to be on your fucking game <laughs> <laughs> shit's about to get real real weird and 
that Flamingo is a side quest. Another thing this game does, and another example of it happily leaving you behind when if you're not keeping up with it. All your, you, get, you have different abilities. The combat in the game is fantastic. You can fly around. You have um, a gun called the service weapon, which can turn it have multiple different modes. It's like a machine gun, a uh, think of, of it a like rifle of sorts, pistol, it's kind of like shotgun. the gun from Jack Two. Yeah, the um, the morph the gun. Morph gun. <laughs> we're doing. Oh, wait, we could do like the Jack and Daxter podcast, man. Oh yeah. Um, I'm changing my game. I'm doing Jack to re-release. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you also have the, the different abilities. A lot of the abilities you get in side quests. So, because the game is so much about um, investigation, exploration, it tempts you to go off and like okay the, the main quest is here but also make sure that you're investigating you're an investigator right now so do your job because when you go and explore different areas you will get important uh abilities that you won't get playing the main story and not many games do that most games will like play the story progress the main campaign and you'll get abilities as you go and then the side quest will augment those abilities that's normally the gist of these sort of games i beat the whole I beat control without the shield. So the shield power you get when you investigate the gun range. I never went back to the gun range because I was too engrossed in the main story. I fucked up. And the game's like, nope, we're not stopping. We're going. Like, Jesse, you're an idiot. Jesse, Mother, not Faden. Exactly. Pack them. Just grab them. And that that that's how it felt. It was just dragging me, not dragging me along, but it's like, keep up. Like, pay attention. I really liked it. It kept me on on my toes. Um. Plus, you've got, like, the, the quirkiness of it. So you've got Jessie Faden's um, internal monologue. She always has, like, a joke. She won't say it, but she'll think it. That's always a bit of a laugh. Um, the font overlays when you go to a new area, just massive, like, impact font on the screen. It tells you exactly where you are. Oh, man. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, it's Killer. the first time I saw that, I got chills. Because I'm like, this is so cool. I am cooler for playing this game. Holy shit. Um... The, the bureau itself, the, with the moving walls and stuff like that. The Ocean View Motel, which, uh, minor spoilers going forward. Ocean View Motel is like, a dimensional crossroads that's laid out as just a real shitty little motel in the middle of nowhere. The kind that you've seen and a million times. <laughs> exactly. You've seen a million times. You've, you may have stayed at one of these before. It's ubiquitous. But in this context, it is, the most mysterious, creepy, terrifying, yeah, uh, just awe-inspiring place. Ah, if it awe that was a joke because the DLC was called awe. Hey. Uh, hey. You've got the Bureau itself, um, which talks kind of, it has like true voices talking simultaneously. You don't really know what it's trying to say. Is it a human? Is it a different being? Is it you? Um, the hotline, which allows you to talk to it, but it's just a normal old red phone it's like a like rotary a, one phone the, one of the rotary phone um there's something Isn't i wanted to s- contact the power puff girls <laughs> it's literally like, yeah. as, <laughs> as far as i know the bureau could be the power puff girls oh my god oh my god next um, dlc come on remedy let's now, do it i want to compare a certain moment and when i was kind of putting up writing my notes today i thought of a how can i sum up a, a moment in the game without giving too much away um have you guys some of you guys have played the game a little bit, right? Part of it, yes. Yeah, like I've played beginning. it. I have not. Minor spoilers here. 
Minus policy, but it's been out for a year, so whatever. I want to talk about the Ashtray Maze without telling you what the Ashtray Maze is exactly. The Ashtray Maze is one of the coolest moments and just most exciting and jaw-dropping scenes ever in a game for me. And the way I'd, uh, the thing I'd compare it to is um, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. So both things are kind of creepy and unnerving. If you ever listened to the lyrics of In the Air Tonight, it's about drowning a man. And a lot of people think it's about Phil Collins actually killing a person. But <clears throat> pro- probably not, because you wouldn't sing about that. Well, but the whole thing, it, it kind of, it's it's telling you very creepy story in a very mundane way. And you get to a certain rhythm with that song. Okay, you think it's not going to change up. It's just droning all on and on, filling your mind with this like, creepy story about like, drowning a man and shit like that. But then when that, dun, 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 when that moment comes in, everyone loses their shit. Because they've been lulled into a false sense of security. So when that hits, when that change up in Phil Collins in the air tonight hits, you lose your mind because the contrast between that moment and the rest of the song is, is jarring. That's what the Ashtray Maze does. The game, despite being uh, crazy with this interdimensional horror and stuff like that, is very mundane. It takes itself quite seriously at times. Yeah. So when you go into the Ashtray Maze and X happens, I won't say exactly what happens, I guarantee you cannot finish that section of the game without a massive smile on your face. Even Jesse Faden kind of like stops in her track and just says, that was awesome. It is so fucking cool. cool. Well, like my favorite um, part about the Ashtray Maze is kind of, it is the moment of like, I don't know, like throughout Control, I felt like it wasn't playing nice. You know, it, it was, I was hitting a wall kind of with it. And then all of a sudden you hit the Ashtray Maze and it's making full use of all your powers. And like, it's like, it all makes sense all of a sudden. And it becomes an arcade it's like game it's for a few minutes. In the story as well, Jessie has finally like realized everything that's going on. And she knows what she's doing here. And like, she's found her rhythm kind of thing. And then the way that kind of plays out in the Ashtray Maze and how cool you feel making use of all your powers in this segment um, is just like unreal. summed it up really well just then. It's a moment that Jesse, a moment in the story where Jesse Faden clicks and you as a player click. It's like, oh, now I get as much as you can get this game because there's a lot of mysteries to be answered. Um, I I get what's going on here. So it's almost like the confidence that the game's delivered itself to you with, it's like, okay, now you're this confident as well. Have fun. You're the like, badass you are the, now. You are the badass motherfucker in this part. And you gen- you feel it. It's cool. Yeah, man. The fact that I can think about this moment and get really, really amped for it <laughs> speaks <laughs> volumes about it. I'm so excited about, about playing this game again. Um, which I will be playing again because it comes out again. gets re-released for next-gen hardware next year. And that's one of the... Almost a complaint about I have about this game. It, it is the most next-gen, last-gen game I felt I played because the frame rate drops are shit. There are moments where the game really, really chugs. And if you're not bought into the story as much as I was, it can make and break the game for you. I know a few people who have just like, I couldn't play anymore. I'm like, I, I get it, unfortunately. Um, because when, you, when you're when you kind of force-pushing dumpsters into 12 enemies and using your uh, service weapon, swapping between modes, and you're doing all these different things, there's particle effects everywhere the game doesn't want to play nice. It's painful at times. Jesse, 
This is why you play it on PC. This is why you play it on ray PC. tracing implementation. And you don't have Holy to buy shit. it again. This is <laughs> cool. Uh, uh, this Kiel, is a how, next how much, gen how, game, though. Like, how much would um one of those uh, cards cost? Me? That's that's not relevant, Jesse. It's very relevant. You pay a premium for perfection, okay? Kiel, so you know how much I get paid. You know it's an issue. <laughs> hang on, hang on. I just want to go off the point, right? You pay a premium for perfection. Which is exactly why we have to pay Keelan so much money for him to show up on the podcast every week. And exactly the reason this podcast is free to listen to. Because <laughs> <laughs> despite our best efforts. <laughs> Look, it's good. <laughs> go on, um, let's go. But- let's just quickly go backwards. I just have to say, like, this game is... I am surprised that they managed to fit it into the previous gen I, I consoles. I have no idea how they did it. Absolutely no idea. And- it, like it, it won game of the year in a lot of places, and I still feel like it's been slept on. Mm. It's weird. It didn't I sell very well. Kind of agree. It yeah. really didn't sell well. It it's one of those games that has a very. Um, I think a lot of people sit there and go, "Oh yeah, I liked it. I I enjoyed it." But I don't think it's got so many people like singing its praises. Aside like from it, you, I, I feel think like it, one person. I feel like Jesse. it's the Hades of twenty nineteen. It was an incredibly well-received game. Um, you know, it's not, you know, or, you know, you go through your Twitter feed, you see a lot of people talking about it, but it's not going to, you know, get TV commercials and stuff. Uh, a, a Sam Lake thing, Lauren? What do you mean? It seems like all his games are ones that you all hear of, but they weren't in the limelight. That's true. That's, That's true. true. Even his biggest I'm ones. bringing this in the limelight. I am yeah. Good point. a one-man army dragging this thing into the limelight, okay? <laughs> Give me them limes. When life gives you limes, Make the limelight. turn them into lights and drag control into it. Now, let's not talk <laughs> about the control DLC that came out this year because it was garbage. But um, if you are intrigued by this game, and look, give it a go. It it's is now on Game Pass. It's on Game Pass. We picked a really good week to release this. It yeah. is phenomenal. Um... If you give it a go, um, you know, shout out to us and tell 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 me if you liked it because obviously you can probably tell I want to talk to more people about this game with spoilers and solve. I want to solve the mysteries. Um, Control Two is probably my most anticipated next gen game across the board. Go play Alan Wake. Go play Alan Wake. <laughs> I did. I, I couldn't. I could I couldn't get into Alan Wake. I couldn't get do it. He's too much of a dickhead. Jesse, let me say. And it's I, true. It's very I also, let me sorry, say. I played the, the, uh, the Alan Wake uh, DLC for Control, and after playing that, like, I don't want to see Alan Wake again. I'm good. <laughs> oh, what Jesse. about his assistant, Barry, or whatever his name is? <laughs> Barry Wheeler. Wasn't even in the DLC. Didn't even make it. Wasn't important enough. Actually, though, when I did play a little bit of Alan Wake, I did, like, no, I did like it. Oh, Jesse, let me say, the old gods of Asgard are characters in Alan Wake. In Alan Wake, I love the lore that um, Remedy have made, like all their games interconnected. Sam Lake is in Alan Wake. It's fucked. Real life appearance. He's the lake in Alan Wake. (laughs) He's the lake in Alan Wake. (laughs) He's the lake. Well, let's move on to the last game of of, uh, our list. Keelan, you're taking us out with the classic. So, you know how I made fun of you guys for being basic before? <laughs> well, basic I am also basic. It's The Grand Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Look. We really are just, basic, aren't we? Yeah. We're, not, we're not complex Every people. one of us. 
Even yeah. me. <laughs> no, to, 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 to be fair, Lauren, like you, you had a very well thought out one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, like feelings. <laughs> I just like Norman like, Oh, what game do you like? So far, Simon's been like, I like Final Fantasy. Josh and I are like, we like being confused. And Lauren's like, break me down. <laughs> break like me down to my core thoughts and <laughs> Everyone, I have to give you credit. Everyone thought through their choices in depth and they gave good reasons for choosing them. So it was great. Thank now, you. what's your reason for choosing Witcher 3? And recap. Uh, there's many reasons. Um, the Witcher Wait. 3 is, it came out in 2015, which is like weird to think. It's, I still view it as like a modern game, but yeah. it's five years old. Yeah. It's, what the fuck? it's ancient in game terms. Um, but I had no interest in The Witcher before. I'd given The Witcher 2 a go and I just bounced off of it. There was something about it which didn't really sit right with me. Um, and it, it didn't propel me forward. I wasn't interested in finding out what happened to Geralt. Yeah. I didn't care about Triss. Um, so I, I never pursued that game. Um, I worked at EB Games at the time The Witcher 3 launched. It was March, I think, of 2015. And uh, one of my colleagues there was a massive Witcher fan and was so keen for this game. And they really hyped it up to me. And they were like, dude, just buy the game. Just get it. You you never know. You might enjoy it. It might be awesome. You get pre-order bonuses as well. So like chuck a pre-order down at the end of your shift today and just get it. <laughs> he I'm sold like, you on it. Fuck it. I'll I'll yeah, he did like I'll just return it if I don't like it. Great. I put the money down. I took the game home the next day and I put it in and I just could not put my controller down. <laughs> the moment I hit that first main quest, the quest with the um the bloody baron Blo- yeah one of the greatest <sighs> mission like lines of missions in i've ever played mm. like that could have been the game and i would have still given it like a 10 out of 10 yeah absolutely fantastic and i i was thinking long and hard about like why did that speak to me so much why was that so important and why did that propel me through this entire like 100 hour game um and i i thought about it and i i realized it's so different to everything else that came before it. Yes, it's like a big open world game. And in a lot of ways, it kind of set the standard for games that would follow. But it did something completely different to, to what other big open world games would do, other like big AAA titles of the, of the era. Um, it put you in this world that was bleak and dark. And it said, there's a war. There's this war happening now. Everyone, both sides, all sides, they're all a bit shit. They're all a bit terrible. You don't have to pick a side. You are just here. It is one of the first games, one of the first games, which was very morally grey. It was so grey. That really clicked with me. Everything about it. No one's good. You're all bad. Mm. Geralt's bad. Like, everyone is flawed. Everyone is a flawed character, and it's and it's believable because of that. And I think that's why that quest with the Bloody Baron really spoke to me, because everyone in there made mistakes. Everyone did things wrong, some people more than others, obviously. Oh, the botchling <clears throat> was okay. But in any case, you, you're put into this world, and this is war, right? And you don't have to pick a side. And you also are not tasked with completing the, the fight for any side no one ever says to you now go into the battlefield and win this war for us yeah 
all you do uh, is you have you, you, exactly right so all you do is you have interactions with people who are impacted and whose lives have been destroyed by this war so you come into Velen, into the swamp, and, you know, it's it's like weird and kind of beautiful, like kind of amazing. You've got these big trees, these lakes, everything, and you dr- you just so, ride past on your horse, and it's beautiful. There's a moment, the wind though. Is blowing. When the game and, is beautiful, it's like you ride into that town. It's like, oh, the, you know, this looks incredible. The sun's coming up over the farms. And then you see that one tree with all the bodies hanging the from it. The tree like, with oh. people yeah. hanging. You see people just hanging off okay. of, like... Things that people have constructed, you go through a town and it's been destroyed. It's been absolutely leveled by people, but you never see the actual battle. You only see the aftermath and the effects that it has on people. It's weird. I like played through the game now. I haven't finished it and I'll bring this up towards the end because it is a bit of a complaint I have about Witcher 3. Um, I forgot that there was a war. I, I played it more like these are just people and I'm fighting the monsters that are giving them help. And I like that. I, mm. I, you're, yeah, the war is a backdrop. Mm. The, the, there are some things that have changed within this world due to the war, but yeah, you're never on the front lines. No one's like, everyone knows that you, end of the day, you were one man. You're a very, very talented man. Um, mm. You're a very, very strong, kick ass man, but you can't win a war by yourself. <laughs> yeah, you're not so invincible. So they never task you with it. it. There's a realism to it where it's like, hey, you're not the savior of the story. You're a gear within this machine. So you see all of these small interactions with those people and they're just, hey, I have this little petty thing that I need solved and it's bringing me a lot of stress and it's it's ruining my life. I really need you to help me with this. And you go off and you do this thing and you have this interesting interaction with this this human being and you you learn something about them. You learn something about Geralt. You learn something maybe about a side character as well. It's just fascinating and it's so, it's really well written. And more importantly, across all of that stuff, it is consistent. Consistent in the way that only, <laughs> only a thousand and one man hours can ensure that it is consistent. You, you, you can tell that the game is, is visually, tonally consistent just simply because they have put so much time into it. They paid people very little money to sort of, mm. you know, go through that whole process for them. That's fine. I think it's a fantastic work. Well, like, they paid people very little. That's fine. We got a good game out of it. <laughs> well, yeah. You're a monster. It, it, yeah. The environment, the the world that you're living in feels sort of lived in and kind of like a place where you're like, okay, like, I'm here, but I'm not, things are not happening to me. They're just happening. Mm. and i really like that so i like if you go to a town it's like uh can you save us from x y and z monsters and you're just like yeah later and then you come back to the town like oh that monster killed everyone i i should have paid attention my bad everyone and so you brought up uh something before about when you mentioned the open world i remember this really vividly uh when i was first reading about the game because i was so obviously really interested in this game i think this is massive, obviously massively hyped. Um, they said uh, it takes like 15 minutes. The map is that big that it takes like 15 minutes real time to walk from one end to the other. Or something like that. Maybe it's probably more than 15 minutes. It's like 45 minutes or whatever it was. If I hear that today, I'm like, fuck this game. I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just, because the game came out so long ago, it shows how much I've changed as a gamer. Yep. Where. Mm-hmm. That was really artful, Jesse, because you brought me to the next point. 
I feel like The Witcher 3 has ruined everything open world for me after the fact. <laughs> not, not, not so much The Witcher 3 directly. It's not directly responsible for it. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is directly responsible for that. But a lot of Odyssey, you, you can blame oh, a yeah. lot of Odyssey on Absolutely. The Witcher 3. Yeah. So. And I think, okay, sitting out there, Witcher 3, the three that I... The main story in The Witcher 3 to me is shit. I don't give a fuck about it. I love the monster of the week style. Like, oh, they're the griffin that's taking my the, my jeans off the washing line every week. <laughs> Go kill it, kind of thing. Like, I love that type of stuff. Um, it's when uh, towards the, you know, the climax of the game where it's like, oh, from this point on, you can't come back, and you you beat the boss. I don't know what his name is. I don't really care. You beat you know Nightman, kill him. You do a bunch of other stuff. You have that weird castle raid, which I think is really shit. I hated that castle fight where you're like kind of stopping between areas. It didn't feel right. It felt like that was the game's point where it's like trying to put you on that battlefield. It's like, okay, this wouldn't work. That's that's not what this game is trying to be. That ending sequence goes on for that long and has so many false endings. I'm it got to the point where like I'm done. It's Return it, of the King. <laughs> I love The Witcher 3, but to me, mm. it disappeared up its own ass at one point. I, I, it, it hurts me because I loved everything else so much. I've got to say, there are problems with The Witcher 3 base game um, as far as like the narrative goes, that, that type of stuff. But combat. those two expansions... Uh, oh, yeah, agreed. The, the combat is... Uh, uh, what do you guys think of the combat? I, I thought, still haven't played the game. Uh, I've, I've only played about like Wait, 10 hours. What? Like I've, I didn't even beat the Bloody Baron storyline, but I did do... I got up to a griffin quests. and then I didn't like it, so I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it didn't break no, I, my heart. I like being able to cry. prep myself for battles <laughs> and having to you know, make a whole bunch of brew some potions, make some traps, that kind of thing, um, and really have to put that kind of thought that kind of preparation into battles. I really like that. It reminds me a lot of Monster Hunter and what I really like about Monster yeah. Hunter. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the combat was odd. It felt like it was maybe trying to do uh, the the Shadow of Mordor kind of, you know, Batman Arkham kind of combat. And then it tried to It also, was... Um, it, sorry, yeah. It, it was weird because it was like... Oh, if you use like this potion on this sword and you do put these things together, this fight will be easier. But it's like, but you can also just go in there and keep pressing square. Yeah, uh, you can just kill it. Like, yeah, it that's matter. one of my big worries about obviously this being a CD Projekt Red game and they're making Cyberpunk 2077. That's my worry about Cyberpunk 2077. If they take that same combat uh, ideology to Cyberpunk, I don't think it's going to click as much as I'd want it to because it's. You can do this, and it can have these results, but you really don't have to. It's not going to make the biggest difference. The option's there, but there is an easier way out, which is going to net you the same result. Um, although, something I do like about The Witcher is because, obviously, you, like in most games, you get stronger. You level up and stuff. I loved going back to those opening areas. Where uh, What are those, those uh, blue motherfuckers that hang around in the swamp? Drowners. Drowners, and you would go to the first group of drowners that gave you so much trouble at the start of the game, and you just cut their heads off. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's right, motherfuckers. That felt good. Back to what it was was mentioning before. Those expansions are incredible, and like the best DLC that I've ever experienced, it's- and like should be a shining example to the rest of the world of what downloadable content uh, should be. 
It's iron wine, something like that. What 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 are they called? Blood and wine. Uh, Blood 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 and wine wine and heart of stone. Yeah, iron and wine's banned. I think. Sorry. Um, Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about those. And also, can we just have a shout to to um to what was the game called? Gwent. Gwent. Yeah. Yeah. Gwent is so cool. I love that more games are doing stuff like that. Like. Assassin's Creed Valhalla has this like dice game. Dude, that dice game is cool. Very much. It's so cool. I love the game. They're making these like in-game games. I gotta stop saying game in this sentence, which you know will be sold as a different, like an actual real-world product because you, Triple you triad. go play Gwent now. Hell. Oh yeah, yeah. Give me some yeah, yeah boy. <laughs> oh, just to bring up Final Fantasy fourteen again, it has an excellent triple triad. That does putting that out there. So, long story short, everyone, I love The Witcher 3 because of the little interactions that you have with believable, real people who are not, you know, paragons of good or just just completely evil things. They're written with shades of grey like real yeah. human beings. It's just that again and again and again in all of these side quests, even in some of the main quests. It's great. I, I feel like, yeah, t- to me, um, and I, I probably put like, 250 hours into this or so um just kind of chilling going around the world stuff like that not wanting to finish the game because uh, um reasons but to me it's at moments collapsed collapsed under its own weight some moments like the bloody barrier missions and i loved there's a certain area that i'm just picturing in my head the swamp with the three sisters I can't remember the yeah. exact line of quest there, and they're like they're like ogres in the it's, end. It's still yeah, it's still in Velen. It's part of the Bloody Baron. Quest part of the line Bloody Baron. I, I just remember that area so well. That part was so so good. Uh, I would argue, yeah, like I said earlier, one of the best kind of quest lines in any game I've ever played. That the good missions were sort of bad in comparison to it. So I I, I couldn't help but compare every moment to what I previously played towards the start of the game and nothing compared. That really annoyed me. I disagree. I, I think especially in the downloadable content, I haven't played the DLC matches or exceeds the original um the original game. But yeah, you you'd have to sort of get into that first. Um, maybe I'll uh, I'll go I'll go back in the give the one a go. Well, there is going to be a uh new generation update for it. Yeah. So I can't, I can't, consoles, so I can't pick up time. my save yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'll pick it up on PS5 because I do want to play it before I start Cyberpunk. Um, and I'm not, I'm not hopping on Cyberpunk at launch, but I wanted to finish off Witcher you 3. four days. <laughs> yeah, right? Don't sleep. Um, but I wanted to jump sleep. back into Witcher 3 before then, before I pick it up. Um, but I might as well just wait for that next gen upgrade, I guess. That's a lot of work in front of you, man. But yes, yeah. wait for the I'll update. I'll platinum it. You Guys, watch me. We, I'm going to play saying, it on Death know, March we difficulty. Know Oh, please don't. Yeah. I am. Please. I'm going to play it on Death March. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know people who can beat a game fully in the same way that Josh and Lauren can. It's intimidating. I make sense. Oh, it ain't me. It scares me. <laughs> yeah, but you're an accomplice. I'm in the background okay? going. Oh, when Josh I finally goes to everything. When yeah, Josh finally goes to jail for his gaming crimes, okay, mm. you will be charged as an accomplice. I'll pick up the pieces, yeah. Cuphead had it coming. If you, if you look through You're just like, I'm upset. It's like, fire watch. I love this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was just thinking before, I was like, man, I really want to play Firewatch again. Oh, but I have all the <laughs> achievements, so I probably can't. Like, 
Okay, I'm going to start now that I know it's on it's on Game Pass, right? Firewatch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll Good start it tomorrow. Done. Um, now, quick, real quick question, sort of without notice. How would you guys rate this generation of games? Was it a winner or a a, a binner? Definite winner. Wow, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How We've... could you say anything else? Oh, you know, people are idiots. <laughs> I think I'm glad that none of you guys are. No, I think um, this generation of games has done exceedingly well on fixing some of the issues that arose during the PS3 and Xbox 360 area, where gaming was going through its weird sort of pubescent stage where everything's going to be dark and gritty and edgy and kind of cool, and it failed to hit every single point rather consistently. And I think this generation has fixed a lot of those issues. It's introduced some really, really exciting mechanics. Some new IPs, some stunning new IPs. Some incredible new IPs. Some clever story beats, some incredible development teams. And I'm very, very excited to see what's going to happen with this next generation of consoles. I think based off of this. You bring up a really good point comparing this the the PS4 and um, Xbox One to the 360 and the PS3 era, which was very more much more multiplayer a lot more shooters a lot more t- yeah very teen angst and mm. i think that's why sort of people the are independent of our- seem definitely shone I, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah but i think like people of our Don't. age when the ps3 <laughs> and the 360 were out one of the reasons i got so into games is because they spoke to me at that moment like i was angsty still am but the games were angsty as well like fuck yeah 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 jack true yeah i've gone through a goth phase as well hell's yeah jack um, maybe that's why the game clicked with me so well. He just got real angry <laughs> one day. Um, but then the the PS4 and the the um the Xbox One came out, and this refocus, especially with when it comes to Sony, on single player narrative driven games, which they started to obviously do towards the tail end of um the PS3, um, Uncharted throughout the whole thing, but Last of Us towards the tail end yeah. of the PS3 showed this new focus on single play narrative games and then with the ps4 we had like horizon uh last of us part 2 god of war spider-man um stuff like that ghost of tsushima i love it i i this this has been my favorite generation of games like i i can pick sorry do, do like, you guys remember comments. when like ea and activision tried to claim that no one wanted to play single player games anymore and yet yeah. <laughs> every, consistently the best Loses. games of any given generation are always yeah. the best single player games hey, to, to be fair to be fair to them that was based on sales and they were at the at the time they were right Single player games weren't selling as well. No, I always disagree with this. Sales does not necessarily equate to something. Oh, no, no. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I agree with it. Just something's but popular doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, Have a look at financial success. People <laughs> <laughs> um, remember, studios don't base a decision around, like, is this good? It, it just makes us money. They're businesses, after all. Plus, um, I don't I don't agree with it. I think, obviously, narr- single player narrative driven games are my jam. Um, but at the time, Break when they said. Hey, I love. I like having my heart broken. I th- We're a good sh- old bunch of angsty late twenty people. And no, oh right. if, if you want to have your heart broken, play Final even later now. <laughs> and get to the same boss fight I did, where I just cried halfway through. I just burst into tears and could barely finish the fight. It was great. <laughs> it was, I had a great time. I'm gonna put a pin on this. I'm gonna put this into our little uh, list of um, 
upcoming episodes. That's right, listeners. We prepare our episodes. I'm shocked <gasps> too. Um, saddest, <laughs> saddest moments, lie. saddest moments in video games. Full spoilers. What moments? Like the tear the joker saddest. moments. Saddest moments. Are we ready? Yeah, I, I, I've had a, mo- a few moments that have, uh, I actually, I've, I've teared up in a few games, so I, I'm a, I'm a very fragile. Valiant hearts. <laughs> oh man, I need to go back Good and finish pull. that. <laughs> mm. um, yes, well, war does make me very teary. Yes, <laughs> I think I think we've all agreed that Valiant Hearts is our game of the generation, so we should wrap it up there. I agree. Um, yeah, I now, also hundred percent of that. So maybe I am Josh. You are. That's like, my girl. You got the perfect <laughs> fit. You and you, you and your little your little platinums and, and achievements little and platinums, such. Little thousand game scores. Little thousand God game scores. It. Um, now, again, this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to our uh, list of last generation games or current generation games, kind of when that set of flux at the moment. So keep an eye on storymodegaming.com this week. We're going to release our top five. So we can go, we'll go into the games we discussed today and a few others um, in a bit more detail. I mean, would love to hear yours. So if you want to shout out, you know, what was your game of the generation? Check us out on Facebook at Story Mode Gaming Oz and Twitter at Story Mode Oz and instagram at storyboard gaming if you want to listen to more of our podcast um go back and listen to the one about final four final fantasy 14's rebirth um redemption uh, our, it's redemption i believe that was episode 16 i can't remember what i said before uh, plus we also have a god of war retrospective where you can hear about what is yeah like my, my game of generation um in a bit more detail we're on spotify and itunes so subscribe and leave us a review while you're there check out all fan critical podcasts they're also on all good podcasts 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 Podcast, serves yeah. fuck my life i try to read this thing out of order for once and i fall over onto my face um if you want to give us a, a few a few dollary dues that will help me from not making these mistakes possibly we're on patreon such a fan critical uh chuck club bucks out way you'll get access to a few extra shows and access to the discord server run by our very own Simon evans go in there and tell him which which mmos are better than the ones he loves but with that let's wrap it up simon lawn josh keelan thanks for joining in thanks for having Jeez. us hope you had fun i hope you had fun the last generation we're moving on okay this train ain't stopping that's a train in my head um i don't know what train sounds like anymore because i've been inside because of covid i don't have it but we have the same side still oh jesse little hint for your little Firewatch playthrough, mm. make sure you take all the photos. Oh yeah, no, photos. I'm playing. I'm playing like a full-on pervert. Yeah, yeah. taking photos of everything. No, that, that's that's a that's <laughs> nice. a good good way to play the game. Make sure you use up all your photo slots. All right, done. Um, and I think, well, yeah, okay. Once I beat the game, we'll have a, we'll have another mini little spoiler cast, like the spoiler cast we put out recently for Spider-Man Miles Morales and Bug Snacks. Man, I'm really good at this whole segue thing, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and with that, thanks for joining us. I hope you had fun. I hope you've been thinking about the games that made you happy this generation and look forward to the ones that are coming next generation. So stay safe, be nice to each other, and uh, go play some games. We'll catch you next week. Bye. 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 See ya. Michael Televichel. <laughs> <laughs>